Uh, I'm glad to see everyone here tonight uh, as we come together to open up God's Word. Uh, we're blessed to be able to do so. So I'm grateful to see you, thankful that we had time to sing together. Um, and so let's uh, get started tonight. If you have your Bibles, um, our, again, our foundational verses are Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23 for the study that we're doing in the fruit of the Spirit. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you there that you can use as well. So I'll give you a moment to turn there. We're not going to be spending a lot of time, of course, in those verses uh, because we're taking the fruit of the Spirit um, part by part as we've been going through this. And uh, so the second to the last aspect of the fruit of the Spirit uh, tonight is gentleness. And the only one we have left after that is self-control. So make sure you're here for that. <laughs> uh, and then we'll do a, hopefully we'll do a wrap-up lesson after that just to kind of pull it all together talk about the last part of uh, verse 23 um, but for tonight we'll be talking about gentleness so let me just read Galatians 5 22 and 23 um, to get our minds set on the word of the Lord and what we've been studying but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. As I looked at the word that Paul used here in those, in verse 23, at the beginning of verse 23, um, that word, that Greek word that Paul used there, uh, prautes, I found that it has either been translated as gentleness or as meekness. So in your Bibles, some of you will no doubt have the word meekness in there, um, and some have the word gentleness. And it seems that this Greek word is difficult to f really find a single English word to uh, directly translate it into, uh, because it's more than just a word. Um, when we try and understand it, when we try and understand what the Holy Spirit is doing by producing uh, prautes in us, gentleness in the hearts of Christians. I think we most often tend to think of gentleness in physical terms. Um, what quickly came to mind as I was preparing this was when my children were babies, um, and you would think you wouldn't need to concern yourself with this tiny person being gentle, but if you don't teach them, they can really cause some mayhem. Um, you know, what do, what do parents tell their little ones sitting on the floor because they can't walk yet when the cat walks by and they reach out for that tail? What do they tell the kids? Be gentle, right? Because they want to grab the tail and bring the cat, right? And we tell our children to be gentle for a reason. They, though they're small, they can cause some serious damage. So we say be gentle with the pets. Be Gentle with the other children. Now, if you have a group of small children, um, they need to be reminded. They need to be taught to be gentle and to be gentle with us as their parents. I think every one of my kids at some point while I was holding them um, slammed their head into my face, or, uh, and I'm, I'm sure they thought it was fun uh, because of the reaction, and then they tried to do it again, so you've got to stop them. 
from doing it and tell them no, you know, be gentle. Uh, or they use those razor blade fingernails they have to grab your lip or your ear or your eyelid. Uh, if you've been a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Even if you've been an uncle or an aunt or if you've ever held a small child, you know, um, it, it just it comes natural to them. They don't know anything beyond what they want. They want to grab that thing, grab that ear, grab that cattail. Um, they don't know what they're doing, so they have to be taught. But we say, be gentle. And we think of it, like I said, in, in these physical terms. And though these are true uses of that word, gentle, and, it, and it, it can be exhibited in physical gentleness, so we're not discounting that tonight. But Paul is getting at something more here something deeper in terms of attitudes and words and actions. And I hope by God's grace we can have a fuller understanding of biblical gentleness, or as your Bible might say, meekness, uh, when we're done this evening. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for tonight and for um, this opportunity to be before you, uh, opening your word, Lord, to hear from you. Lord, teach us tonight about gentleness, help us to have understanding, help us to have wisdom. I pray, Father, that we would desire to live lives of gentleness before you and before others, for your glory, Lord, for your praise, and hopefully, Lord, for the benefit of others, that they might see you through our actions, through our gentleness lived out. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. As we talk about this subject, I want you to keep in mind that we're talking about, again, about gentleness in terms of attitudes, okay, an attitude of the heart, uh, and also in words, and also in actions. So it's kind of all of them uh, put together. At least, we'll think about at least those three areas where uh, gentleness or the lack of gentleness can manifest itself. Okay? We can also have a, a lack of gentleness, which is why we need to learn this. Um, so we have our ultimate example of gentleness, of course, uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ himself, as is the case with all of the fruit of the Spirit we've been looking at. Jesus is the ultimate example of all of those. Um, and Jesus flat out said that we should learn gentleness from him. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is Jesus' description of himself. He wants us to learn this from him. Jesus is gentle in heart. And as we learn to be gentle from Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, we will, he said, Find rest for our souls. Not only, though most importantly, in salvation, but also rest for our souls here on earth. He, he brings about peace in our lives when we are obedient to him, and that's no different in, in the sense of the gentleness we might exhibit as the Holy Spirit produces that in our hearts. Um, he'll give us rest for our souls. So I wanted to ask another question in in what types of circumstances do you think people are most likely to not exhibit gentleness? What type of types of circumstances are people most likely to not exhibit gentleness? 
at the DMV office. There's no DMV workers here, hopefully. But yeah, okay, sure. What was that? Okay, hockey, sporting events, things like that. Okay, sure. Little League? Yeah. True. What else? What was that? In, when, when confronted with violence, is that what you're talking about? Okay, yes. Traffic. Big one. Okay, we're back to patience now, too. Okay, we've already gone through that, but, you know, again, you see there's a connection here. Okay, and high schools, violent problems. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're seeing not only in violence a lack of gentleness from that initial act, but also a lack of gentleness in response as well. So we see this. We are probably most likely to not exhibit gentleness when injured by others, whether verbally, physically, emotionally. Um, we can tend to not exhibit gentleness in the face of that. When a threat is perceived okay, from others, perhaps, or from circumstances, maybe a circumstance in our life that we perceive as a threat to our life, to our health, to whatever, we may not respond in gentleness. Yeah. Okay, politics. Okay, I, that kind of goes to my next point. Like when opinions and beliefs are, quest are being questioned, okay, and I think that, that can cover the gamut of politics, um, society, churches, um, when we perceive that our opinion is not being listened to or uh, being uh, put down, we can sometimes not respond in gentleness. Or when you just don't like someone for some reason or another, we tend to not be gentle. When Christianity is being attacked, perhaps, by the unbelieving world, we could tend to not be gentle. Or when Christianity is being attacked from within the church, we can tend to not be gentle. But what about when others are being kind to us or when things are going our way? Is that when people are typically not gentle? No. I mean, it's much easier to be gentle when things are going my way. If you do what I want you to do, it's much easier for me to be gentle. All right, just, let's just make it easy on each other, right? <laughs> I sometimes feel like when I get in my car and I drive down the road, why is there anybody out? I mean, why isn't the road just open? Um, so yeah, we can tend to not be gentle in when those things come against us, but it's easier to be gentle when things are going our way. But as soon as someone or something pushes us in a different direction, the lack of gentleness can come out, and it can come out in a lot of different ways. So the, the general pattern is that we should be most concerned about our propensity to not be gentle when things are not good or we perceive them to not be good. That's when we as Christians should be most concerned, most vigilant for a lack of gentleness in our lives. When someone is against you, when you're angry with another person or with your circumstances and um, other people happen to be around. You know, it could be that you're angry at a circumstance and maybe if there's other people around, they're going to receive perhaps the, the brunt of your lack of gentleness. Um, we could even say when trials come our way, 
could word it that way. When trials come our way, we should be very vigilant about gentleness. When trouble is in town, we should be vigilant. These and others are times and circumstances when we need to be reminded to be gentle. Perhaps as we're reading Scripture, the Spirit of God will remind us. Perhaps maybe if we start not being gentle, uh, another Christian might remind us, hey, you're not being very gentle in your attitude or in your words or in your actions. Um, we, we need to hear that sometimes. We don't necessarily need to hear it when it's, things are good, but it can also happen when things are good. Um, sometimes when things are good or maybe too good, we can get lazy, we can get conceited, and we can, be, we can have a lack of gentleness, um, not necessarily even because someone's doing something against us. Um, as I looked through uh, a lot of different scriptures regarding the biblical use of this word, prautes, and its adjective, adjective form, praus, it is often, most often translated as gentleness. Um, I also noticed there are other words often associated with this word. They often go together with this word in a, in a verse or in a passage of scripture. Uh, and this word is often being explained by the text uh, around it by using other words or phrases to make it clear. Uh, and these can be positive or negative um, to explain gentleness. The words around it can be positive or negative to explain it. Some words or phrases in Scripture that commonly, I found, are used with gentleness in a positive way. We'll talk about the positive first. Um, things that go along with it or explain it, uh, explain what is meant by the use of that word in that verse are things like lowly in heart. Okay? Like, again, keep thinking of that word gentleness. These are things that tend to go with that word. Um, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, showing perfect courtesy, peaceable, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial and sincere, quietness of spirit, humility, patience, also things like bearing with one another, godliness, righteousness, steadfastness, respect, rest for souls. We've heard that. Okay, these are all things that in many different verses in Scripture are around this word gentleness. They, they go along with it. So if a Scripture's verse is saying to be gentle, it will add some of these other words in there. Sometimes to explain what they mean by gentleness, like gentle, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So it gives you this picture of what is meant by gentleness there. Um, so again, these are words that fit with gentleness. They go along with gentleness. They would be in a, a similar category as gentleness. They fit with what the Holy Spirit is producing in the Christian heart. And these are good things, positive things. They're they're godly things. But there are also scriptural examples of opposites, of things that don't fit with gentleness or are up, actually opposed to gentleness. For example, some of those words or phrases would be things like committing violence against others. Okay, now, everything I'm going to read here, I found in Scripture along with gentleness. And these are the opposite. They're, they're thrown in there with it. Say, don't be like this. Be gentle. Okay? Committing violence against others. Speaking evil against others. Quarreling. 
being a drunkard, being a lover of money, perverseness, and being unjust. These are all words or phrases that are kind of the opposite. They're, they're kind of, those verses are saying, don't be like this, be gentle. This is the opposite, be this. Um, now we should remember that the Holy Spirit, I mean, the whole point of what we're studying here is that the Holy Spirit is producing this gentleness in us. This kind of gentleness, gentleness that's being called for is actually commanded by God, and he is producing it through his Spirit in believers. And it is an attitude of the heart first. It's an attitude of the heart, gentleness. Um, an attitude of the heart that is for the believer, but that manifests itself in the believer's relationship with God and in their relationship with other people. That's how it will manifest itself. That's how it will come out. Uh, it appears first in our inner self or in our hearts, and this is the attitude. That attitude could be directed toward God or toward other people. An, an attitude of gentleness or not gentleness can be directed towards God or toward other people. It's how we think about God or how we think about other people in relation to ourselves. Okay, uh, it, would, it would most often appear next in our words. Okay, so we'll start with that attitude, and then there would be words. Uh, things we say, how we talk about or to God or other people. This is usually the first outward expression of gentleness or the lack of it. Okay, that's usually. It would appear then in our actions. Okay, the things we do. This could be body language or it could be physical harm against others. We cannot harm God. None of us can harm God, but we can physically have nothing to do with him, at least in our minds. We can physically have nothing to do with him in terms of I am not going to gather with his people. So, so it can come out in a, in a physical sense that way, but we can't harm God. Um, but we can harm other people. We can lack gentleness in how we treat others physically, and we can actually harm other people. Sometimes we, if we're honest, sometimes we skip that whole second step of words, and we go right to the actions. Um, that is probably true of some of us in here. Sometimes things happen so fast we don't even realize what we've done. We, we have a general attitude of the heart of a lack of gentleness, and when that thing happens, I can jump right to the physical, skipping the words altogether. And that's not a positive. You're not going to say, well, at least I didn't say something not gentle. <laughs> right? So it's not a good thing, um, but this is the reality. Sometimes we skip over that whole step and go right to the right to the actions. Um, so again, now we can see this connection to self-control. Right, we can start to see that, but that's for next week. And this word Paul used is uh, referring to a mildness of disposition. Okay? It is gentleness and meekness. It is said that this word, prautes, that uh, was used here in secular Greek writings to describe a soothing wind, a healing medicine, and a colt that had been broken. 
Okay, we can recognize then that there is, is in each of those descriptions power because a wind can become a storm, uh, too much medicine can kill, and a horse can break loose. Thus, he says, prautes describes power under control. Okay, that's what's being described. Just as wisdom is the right use of knowledge, so gentleness is the right use of authority and power. Okay, sometimes the words gentleness or meekness have been described as strength under control. Okay, maybe you've heard it described that way before. We don't really use the word meek in our culture. I mean, has anybody used that recently? No? Okay. Yeah, I can't even think of a time I've used it rather than reading it in Scripture. So we just don't tend to use that word in our culture. But what do people in our culture often associate gentleness or meekness with in a negative sense? What do they often associate those words with? Weakness, right? Yeah, absolutely. Be gentle or meek is seen as weakness in the negative sense. And these are weakness in the eyes of mankind because mankind says something else is warranted. Something else belongs here besides gentleness. Um, but we need to ask why that is. Why is it that they think that way? Why would these qualities, uh, even in the unbelieving world, be thought of as good when we're telling a child to be gentle with the cat, but as bad or as weakness under another circumstance? So why would gentleness be seen as bad or as a weakness? What do you think? Okay, because they perceive you're losing control. Okay, what else? Why else might people think it is? Okay, so because you're being gentle, you can be taken advantage of. And others might say, why would you want to do that? That's, that's a negative thing. What you're doing is weakness. People will take advantage of you. Sure. Other thoughts on that? Why is it seen as bad or weakness? Uh-huh. Sure. No. I don't... I remember my vice principal in elementary school had a paddle on his wall with holes in it. I never experienced it, but... And I don't know of any friends that experienced it. It was just there, um, and we knew it was there. It certainly wasn't a sign of weakness. Uh, I think it kept us in, under control to some extent. He did grab my ear one time, but um, yeah. So I think it's not macho, okay? Macho is kind of a bad word in our culture today, but I think that's true. I think it's not seen, at least. I mean, I can't think of a woman that has described herself as macho, but at least among men, you know, there's still kind of that attitude, and so maybe as men look at other men, I might think that. Why would you be gentle that? You know, people say things like, you know, might as well turn in your man card or something like that. You know, people see it in that way. Sure. Other thoughts on that? Why it would be seen as bad or weakness? I think that's pretty much summed it up. I mean, those, those reasons, there might be more, but that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, now ultimately, because the world of man will excuse violence in attitude, word, and action as justifiable 
in every trial or adversity. When trials or adversity comes, period, violence in attitude, word, or action is justified. And that's kind of the attitude. Okay. In other words, Christian gentleness is seen as bad or weak because the Christian is called to be gentle. In circumstances where everyone else, everyone else is natural, naturally responding in arrogance and self-preservation and revenge. Okay? When, when that's the natural response of humanity, Christians are called to something different. So when Christians live and behave and act and speak in gentleness, in those circumstances, it's seen as weakness. And this is kind of exclusive to Christianity, that we, would, that we are called to be gentle, and specifically in those circumstances where everyone else would say, why are you being gentle? It is totally justified to behave otherwise, but not so for the believer. The world responds in arrogance, self-preservation, and vengeance. When the Christian does not respond in the flesh, but responds in the spirit, it looks weak to the world. It looks like weakness. And that is the difference. That is where we as Christians are called to be set apart. We are called to behave differently, to think differently, to act differently. And that is why we need the Spirit of God to produce in us gentleness. Because we, like everyone else, have a natural tendency to respond differently. We need God to, to produce that in us, this, this uh, attribute of his that he possesses perfectly and has exhibited perfectly that we do not. But we are able to because of the Spirit of God. Um, so gentleness is far from weakness. We need to remember that. Gentleness is far from weakness. Do not believe the lie that gentleness in these kinds of circumstances, these adverse circumstances, is somehow weakness. We saw earlier that Jesus described himself as gentle and lowly in heart. Is that weakness? No. <laughs> Has anyone ever thought of Jesus as weak? Yes. Not us, right? We don't want to do that. <laughs> but let's think about it for a minute. The people in Jesus' day who crucified him certainly saw Jesus as weak. He claimed to be something. He claimed to have come for something. And it didn't look like what they were expecting. They saw him as weak. In Matthew 27, 29 through 31, we're seeing a portion of the scene of the time before Jesus' crucifixion. And those verses say, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Do you think they thought Jesus was strong? No, not at all. This is, this is the whole point of the mockery. It, they didn't believe him. They didn't believe he was who he said he was. They didn't believe he had the power to do anything. 
He didn't have the power to stop them. They mocked him for it. Did he have the power? Yes, he did. Those are the actions, what they were doing to Jesus, those are the actions of people who thought Jesus to be weak. Just a man. Right? But what was going on? What was being exhibited was power under control. Uh, this was the gentleness of Jesus putting the needs of his chosen people ahead of his own. He could have rightly displayed his power and destroyed everyone there in an awesome display, but he didn't. And Isaiah explains what was happening there when he prophesied about the day of Jesus' crucifixion. Um, Isaiah 53, 6 and 7 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Okay? Prophesying about that day we just read about from Matthew. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He opened not his mouth. You think about, and we just read a short portion of some of what happened to Jesus. And he opened not his mouth. Was that violence against him? That adversity? Absolutely. But just like a lamb to the slaughter, standing in front of the one who was going to kill it, Jesus didn't say a word. Didn't open his mouth. Our response? Yeah. Absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, again, Jesus is the perfect example of gentleness. He didn't say a word. Why didn't he? Why didn't Jesus stop it? Why didn't Jesus say anything? Hmm. I, don't, I don't know that you could have more violence than what they did against Jesus. Okay. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think so, sure. If, if Jesus had displayed the power that he could have, sure, there would have been a lot of violence. Things would have been different. Why else? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Right, so, and this is the main point, that this is why Jesus came. That's why he didn't do anything. It's not that he couldn't, not that he was unable, he absolutely was able, but because he is gentle and lowly in heart, this is not weakness on his part. And for those of us who are Christians, those of us who have read the scriptures and we've benefited from uh, the salvation that comes through repentance and faith in Christ, we have this understanding of the amazing power of God and what he could have done, but he didn't. And we know why he didn't. It's an amazing thing on our behalf. This is 
strength under control. The idea there is the fact, the fact is, the reality is, the one with immeasurable power did not choose to display it. He did not. And to mankind, that is just plain weakness. To everyone there, it was weakness. But Jesus had an attitude. We come back to now this, this idea of the attitude. He had an attitude of gentleness from the heart toward his Father for sinners. And it goes to what was said. This was his purpose. This is why he came. So his attitude of gentleness was first towards the Father and then for us as sinners. His silence, okay, we read that verse from Isaiah that talked about his silence. He remained silent, didn't open his mouth. His silence was a, a gentleness of word and lack of words, right? Concerned that God's plan would be carried out. He wasn't trying to stop what God was doing. He wasn't trying to stop the, the way of salvation um, and what he came to do. So in word, he was silent, but that was a picture of gentleness. He displayed a gentleness of action because though he could have stopped it, he continued because the outcome of his actions, which was his death, was an atonement for our sin. And we can look in Hebrews and we can see this attitude. We can see why Jesus, an explanation as to why Jesus did what he did. It says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12.2. For the joy that was set before him. The biblical gentleness, Holy Spirit-produced gentleness, concerns itself first with its attitude toward God. Christ was being obedient to his Father. And then with others. He, he knew what his death would accomplish. He knew all of it. This Holy Spirit-produced gentleness is not preoccupied with self, but with the needs of others, especially those who we believe and maybe actually don't deserve it. If we believe they don't deserve it, maybe they actually don't deserve it. But that this kind of gentleness doesn't concern our, itself with self. It's thinking of others. And it's been explained well this way. Gentleness describes the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. Proutes, back to that word, is a quality of gentle friendliness, gentleness, meekness, as strength, strength that accommodates to another's weakness. Consideration, restrained patience, patient trust in the midst of difficult circumstances. Another commentator said, the word indicates an, an obedient submissiveness to God and his will. Think about Christ again. The word indicates an obedient submissiveness to God and his will with unwavering faith and enduring patience displaying itself in a gentle attitude and kind acts towards others and this often in the face of oppression. Opposition. This is important to note here. This is a good thing for us to think about and to remember, this point about facing opposition. Okay? Um, and like we said earlier, 
This is really when the outworking of gentleness will either shine because we're walking in step with the Spirit, or it'll fizzle out because we're entertaining the desires of our flesh. This, this is when it's, we're going to be put to the test, is when there is opposition. We talked about that at the beginning. So it's important that we think of gentleness in this way, that those times to be aware of, and again, to be on, on alert for the things that come into our lives that tend to cause us to react, to think, to say, or to react in an, a not gentle way. Um, what you and I need to remember is that God is sovereign. We say this a lot because God is. God is in control of everything, and that includes the things we think uh, are only bad, yet that he permits or brings into our lives. Things don't just happen to us randomly. The God of the universe is doing something in your life. If you are a Christian, he is sanctifying you. He is intentionally setting you apart from the rest of the world. He's making you more like Christ. He's testing you, treating you as a son or a daughter for your benefit and for his glory. And before you're tempted to think, well, I don't like that. I don't like it that way. I want you to notice this is what God is talking about in Romans 8.28. We like to say this verse, but we don't really like to apply it in this way, the way we should. He says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. It's not saying all good things work together for good. It's all things. God is doing something. And at the end of that verse says, according to his purpose. Right? Like you said earlier, Mike, I mean, if it were me, I would have responded differently. My purpose would be different. Uh, but this is God. God is doing these things and more. So again, what the Spirit of God is producing in us is, as, as gentleness, described by another commentator this way, the humble and gentle attitude which expresses itself in particular in a patient submissiveness to offense, a freedom from malice and desire for revenge, mildness, patient trust in the midst of difficult circumstances. And you think about that for a moment in your own life. When you think about gentleness, as we've been talking about it tonight, is that evident in your life? Is that how you've thought about gentleness? Is that how you've understood gentleness? Is that kind of gentleness being produced in your life? Is that how you respond to the difficulties of life? Are you walking in the desires of your flesh when it comes to difficulty with others or with hard circumstances, hot-button topics of conversation, uh, an unbeliever who's antagonistic toward Christianity in your life? Or are you walking in step with the Holy Spirit as he produces in you an attitude of gentleness toward God and toward others, manifesting itself in gentle speech and actions? Which is it? Because really that's what the Christian life is about. Living out what God is producing in us and actually thinking about it. 
you know, we have to think about this, be intentional about it in our life. Even if you fail, you, Christian, are to work at this. You are to work at, the Bible would say, putting this on, right? We, we can't escape this responsibility. It is a command of God. Colossians 3, 12, and 13 says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, same word there, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. God commands it. God produces it. Yes, and God empowers it. God gives us the opportunities to exhibit it for his glory. It's the whole package. Put it on like a robe. Gentleness. Not just gentleness. All the fruit of the Spirit. Put it on. Put it on like a robe. And in this case, put on gentleness or meekness. Well, what does it look like then? What does it look like to put on gentleness before God? And I mean just in terms of your relationship with God, if you're a Christian, just in terms of that relationship with God, not even talking about others right now, what does it look like to put on gentleness before God? What was that? Okay. Praising him, being thankful to him, instead of wanting something from him. Okay. Obedience. Service to others. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. I again, if we come back to this being yes. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things that have been said here. In, in addition to the phrase, study the Bible, you know, be obedient, then we have some specifics that you're talking about and others have been mentioned. Yeah, all of these are the same. They all, I mean, not the same, but they go together and it comes back to an attitude. It comes back to an attitude of our heart that we agree with God in humble submission before him. Right? We go to his word, even if we don't like it, how it says, you know, that we can expect hardship in our lives, that that suffering is a part of the life of Christians. I don't like that. But my attitude needs to be one of submitting to God, agreeing with him that it's what is right and true because it's his plan. It's what he's doing. He does not make mistakes. He knows everything. He can see literally everything before it happens. He knows the big picture, and I don't. So this attitude I need to have before God of gentleness is a humble submission to his word, submitting to God in the difficulties of life um, with an attitude and words and actions that don't blame him or, or call his plans into question um, or elevate myself above him. I know better. If I were God, I wouldn't do it that way. Right? Uh, we can't have attitudes like that. 
Um, and, and honestly, this can be a burden in itself, can't it? To, to follow God in obedience and gentleness in this world, in this life, can in itself be a burden. It can be hard to live a life of gentleness. And we can feel too weak. We can feel exhausted. Like the difficulty in my life has no end. Um, and like we're unable to do it. Well, let me tell you that the truth is you can't do it. You can't. God can. And that's why God does it. He, he is the one actually carrying the load. It, it feels like it to us. We just have to be obedient in attitude, in word, and actions, and we have to trust God with what he has said. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The promise. I'm watching my mouth right now, by the way, Mike. That, that song we sang, you know, is from Scripture, um, your grace is enough. I mean, it comes from Paul's thorn in his flesh and his prayer, asking God to take it away. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And, and that whole passage talks about our weakness and that, that God is strong. Um, and so that's kind of how we have to look at this, too. It's hard. We can't do it. And that should turn our eyes right back to Christ. Say, I need the Lord. I need, constantly I need him in my life. Um, I saw this, uh, I thought was kind of a helpful example here. F.B. Meyer says, when a boy is trying to lift or carry a heavy beam, as likely as not there will be a great crash when he reaches the end of his task and puts it on the ground, his strength is so nearly exhausted that he is only too glad to get rid of his burden anyhow, and at any cost. But if a strong man shoulders the same burden and carries it for the same distance, he puts it down gently because he has not taxed his strength and has plenty left. That is God. God is a strong man. Uh, he's never exhausted, uh, always has plenty of strength. He's not asked of us what he has not already done perfectly himself and to... to so much greater measure than we could ever possibly fathom. And we are to follow him in gentleness. Ray Stedman said, Meekness is seeing everything as coming from God and accepting it without murmuring and without disputing, patiently submitting to any and every offense without any desire for revenge or retribution. How hard is that? It's, it can't without the Holy Spirit. It cannot work because our response is revenge or retaliation in some way, even in small levels. I mean, if you've had siblings, you know, I mean, they do something to you, you're not just going to let it go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get them back. All right, that's just, that's how we do things. It's not right. I'm not saying it's right. Uh, but that, 
definition I thought is really good, is really helpful to me. But boy, do we like to murmur, don't we, about life, about our circumstances. We like to murmur. Um, we can also learn from Scripture that gentleness is actually a, a beautiful adornment in our lives. Peter made this point very clear, uh, and especially describing women and their relationship with their husbands. Um, if you want to turn with me in First Peter, in your Bibles, First Peter chapter three, verses three and four, and we can look at this, but it's something interesting for us to think about. First Peter chapter three, verses three and four. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And adorning means to take something, to make something more beautiful, to accentuate it. Peter says women should do this inwardly and not outwardly. Okay, now, that doesn't mean you can't put makeup on and things like that. Okay? You've got to get kind of to the depth of this. It's talking about not shining a spotlight on outward uh, self-centered beauty as most important, but what is in the heart and comes out as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. The qualities are gentleness and a quiet spirit that we see there in those verses which are truly beautiful, not only to the husband and others, but to God. Your physical beauty will fade, okay? Not just women, men, okay? Our physical beauty will fade. That is a certainty. But what did Peter say in those verses about the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit? If anybody's got that opened up, what was that? Okay, it's, it's precious in God's sight. It's very precious, in fact. But he also said it is imperishable beauty. Okay, outward physical beauty will go away, but the beauty of a gentle, quiet spirit is imperishable. It will not die. Even if you're ugly, inside you're beautiful. <laughs> We all get ugly as we get older. Um, yes, and this is directed at wives, but gentleness is precious to God in all of his children, and that is a command of Scripture. Gentleness. Gentleness doesn't mean that we, it also doesn't mean that we let sin slide. Okay, this is an important point too. It doesn't mean not pointing out the sin of a brother or sister in Christ. It means doing it in a godly way. Paul gave commands to Timothy regarding pastors in the church, but the qualities needed in pastors are nonetheless important in every believer because we're all servants of God. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. We live in a time where pointing out the faults of others, especially as being sin, 
is seen as, first of all, none of our business. Uh, it's seen as cruel, hateful, arrogant, unkind, etc. You could go on. But that's not true according to Scripture. We see in that passage, yes, we see a call to endure evil. The evil done against us, we're to endure it with patience. Not to be quarrelsome, but kind as we teach the truth of God's word. But in verse 25, we also see that when error is there in doctrine or in practice, we are to correct the one in error. How? With gentleness. When we talk about our definition of gentleness, what's involved in that? It's it's an attitude, it's words, it's actions, it's concerned about the well-being of someone else. So, so when we are pointing out the error in someone else in a spirit of gentleness, it has what's best for them in view. It's not a, you're so bad, I got you. That's not what we're doing, okay? And what does this mean? With, it's, it, it has an eye on the fact that they too need the Lord. It, with an eye on their soul, uh, with a care for their soul, that is how you do this in gentleness. That's what gentleness looks like. Correct them with gentleness. Why? God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. But the correction is there. We are to correct the sin in the lives of those people around us, but it is gentle. It's not yelling and screaming. It's not putting down. It's not acting like we're, we are not sinners and have never been sinners. It's none of that. It's based on the truth of God's word. We don't excuse sin. We don't let them think their sin is no big deal. We don't agree with their sin. We want God to grant them repentance just as he has with us, but we need to be gentle in how we do it. Okay, so that's another important point about gentleness that um, we don't want to fall into that trap of thinking gentleness means I better not tell someone they're sinning because that won't be gentle. I could do it in a not in a gentle way and that would be wrong, but it is not in itself not gentle to do that. I need to do it gently. James says that our Good conduct in terms of our meekness, same word, prautes, that Paul has used here, that, that our good conduct in terms of that word is true wisdom. Okay, when we do this, it's, it's true wisdom. James 3.13, uh, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Okay, you, you want to be wise and shown to be wise before God, and others, let your good conduct show it. Right? That good conduct, in this case, is gentleness. It, that is wisdom. This is what will flow from your life as the fruit of the Spirit. It's what he is producing in you as Christians. So when you see those opportunities that God provides in your life for you to exhibit gentleness, be vigilant. Look for them. Respond in a godly way, being gentle. If you are struggling with that, which we all do at times, ask God for help. Ask him to help you, and he will do so.
We need to walk in step with the Spirit, not in the desires of our flesh. Let's ask God to help us then with gentleness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, for this aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness that um, that your Spirit is working in us, producing in us, because it is not how we would naturally respond. I pray, Father, there's a lot of people here. There are people here who have circumstances in their lives or people in their lives that give them opportunity to be gentle or not. And I pray, Lord, that you would help all of us to respond to the difficulties of life, whether it be people or circumstances, in godly gentleness. That it would not be self-centered, self-focused, or any impure motivation, Lord, but to be obedient to you, bring glory and honor to your name, to point other people to Christ. We ask, Lord, that you would graciously continue to produce gentleness in us. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for your promises, for Christ's example, his ultimate example of gentleness in the face of adversity that we can't even fathom. What an amazing Savior. Give you praise for it all, Lord, in Jesus' name.